0: The following sermon is a ministry of Hilton Head Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at hiltonheadpca.com. It's spoken of more than sexual sin. It's spoken of more than pride. It's spoken of more than anything. It's talked about constantly in the scriptures. And I wonder why that's the case. I believe it's the case because if we look at how we address money, it gives us a great tool into addressing the, the, the health of our hearts. And really the place of our lives. How we're doing uh, in the middle of all of these things. And so we're going to go to a passage that's a very familiar passage uh, about money. And it's in Malachi. Uh, Malachi is an Old Testament prophet. It's the last book of the New Testament. So if you're searching around, it's about two-thirds of the way through your Bible. Uh, It's the last book of the New Testament. And it's pronounced Malachi. Uh, Not the Italian prophet you've heard. Malachi uh on that but malachi um, and malachi was a minor prophet uh, not minor in the sense that he had very little to say just in the length of the book uh in the thing that he wrote and we're going to pick up in chapter three and we're going to look at verses six uh, through 15 yep good this is the word of the lord for i the lord do not change therefore you O children of jacob are not consumed From the days of your fathers you have turned away from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you in your tithes and contributions? You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more seed, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil or your vine, and the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts." Then all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord. But you say, how have we spoken against you? And I have, you have said, it is vain to serve God. What is the profit of our keeping his charge or of walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the arrogant, blessed, evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. This is God's word. May he add his blessing to the reading and hearing of it. And what we're going to focus on today is simply this. We're going to focus on this idea that, and I, I've called it, for lack of a better title, you can't out-generous God. God basically puts down, he throws down the gauntlet in this passage. And he says, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you in this way put me to the test. Live your life. Now he uses money here uh, as again the litmus test, but basically what he's saying is live your life in the manner in which I've prescribed for you in my word. In the owner's manual that I've given because I'm your creator and I'm your God and I know you and I know what's best for you and I know best how to make you come alive and make you be actually even more human than you you could possibly be and to live a more freeing and full life than you ever could, put me to the test and see that if you live according to my ways, if you live according to the way that I've designed for you, see if I won't fully bless you. See if I won't fully pour out all the promises that I've given to you. And in this one, he uses money as his litmus test. He's saying, I'm going to use money because money's the one that everybody gets so agitated about. Money's the one that everybody seems to get all bent about. And we're going to start by saying this a couple of things about money and tithe. What we did this morning, it says that we brought in the tithe. Now, a tithe was simply uh, the understanding, it was a portion. It was proportional giving to God. It was God saying, I'm the God of all things and I've blessed you with everything, but what I want you to do to continually remind you uh, that it's all mine and to help you understand how it all works, I want you to give a tenth of it to me. I want you to take the first and the best of it and bring it back to me and to give to me so that I can use it within the work of my kingdom, within my temple in the Old Testament and through the church in the New Testament, that I can use it so that other people can know uh, of me and can, can come to have faith in me but it was a percentage. It was a giving of that. And now there's many people who believe that in the New Testament that the tithe uh, goes away. They say, Bill, that's just an Old Testament thing. And I just want to take away a couple of things in in introductory thought before we get into this lesson. uh, That it's first, Jesus mentions the tithe. In Luke chapter 11, when he's speaking uh, to the Pharisees, he says, you Pharisees, you tithe mint and dill, and you do it all the way down to the jot and tittle, all the way down to the very extreme. You, are, you look, and you go to the store, or you I wouldn't go to the store, but you bring in some dill, and you would take, if you had 10 dill seeds, you pick one little dill seed out. And you'd give that dill seed to the tithe so you could say that you're righteous and you could say that you're obeying the law. He says, but when you look around you and you're not generous to people around you. You look around and there's injustice and you look around and there's things happening in the world and you won't engage in those things. You'll only do the tithe. He said, I wish you would do both. What Jesus is saying is this. I'm not abolishing the tithe. I'm saying that you need to continue to do that. But I'm telling you that the tithe is just a beginning and starting point. It's not about, it's not about, oh, I give. And the questions then are, did Jesus get rid of it? No, of course he didn't. And another would argue this, that how in the world, it doesn't make logical sense, that in the New Testament who have been exposed and given the greater gift of Jesus Christ, how would the expectation actually be less on them and not an increased more? Because we have been blessed and given more than those who were living in the Old Testament time, how is it that we'd expect to have to respond less to God? And some of you ask the questions, well, Bill, let's talk about the tithe. Is it off of gross or net? That's a, that's a misunderstanding. How do, you, how do you give to the government? Gross or net? Well, it's off of gross. God's saying, I brought it all to you. And so we give 10% to him. Now, again, let me remind you. And so you don't walk away from here. This isn't a bartering system. This isn't anything that if you give that you're better. He's simply saying what it does is it exposes the heart. It exposes the heart. Your relationship to the tithe exposes the heart. And this is when we'll jump into Malachi. Malachi comes and he's speaking on behalf of God to the people of Israel. And he comes to them, and the people of Israel are going, God, we don't understand why we're not being blessed. We don't understand why things aren't going really well for us. We don't understand. It seems that things are just a little bit askew uh, and things are rough for us. And God says, Here's why. You look and you ask me the question. You say, But you, God, how shall we return? How shall we do this, God? What's going on, verse seven? And then God says, will you rob, will man rob God that you are robbing me? They're basically saying, God, how can our life be made right with you? And God goes, let me give you one example. Let me give you an example of how your life is askew, how your life is out of balance with me, and it's your approach to wealth and money because you've been robbing me and the people were taken back. He says, but you robbed me. Now, it's interesting the word that he uses there, and it doesn't come through in the English. The word that is used there uh, in the Hebrew is used only one other place. It is a Hebrew word that is a violent word. It's a word of plundering and of pillaging. Uh, It's a word of taking and oppressing someone else. So it's basically God is saying, what you're doing is you are coming and you're approaching me in an oppressive way. You're approaching and you're plundering. You're doing a thing. And the people go, what do you mean we're robbing you? He said, how are we robbing you? Which, again, is a great test. Now, if you're looking for points one, two, and three today, you're going to really be frustrated. I'm just going to kind of talk, and I hope that you'll pick up thoughts and themes out of this that so you can take away. I know that's not good in Presbyterian, uh, but and John, you can talk to Presbyterian and go, man, Bill's not very Presbyterian in his preaching. Uh, but I want you just to get the bigger picture on this. He says, you robbed me. And the people's response is, how do we rob you? He says, you don't bring in the tithe. He goes, we don't see it. Ah, what a great little nugget of insight in there. Now, I heard uh, when I was in seminary teaching on this and then was reading uh, in the past, and it's great. Jesus, when he speaks in the New Testament, he's talking to the people, and I believe it's Luke um, 15, no, not Luke 15, Luke 12, but it may not be but you'll find it, he says this, he says, be on the lookout for all sorts of covetedness. Be on the lookout for all sorts of covetedness. Interesting that he says that. Be on the lookout for all kinds of greed, is basically, or lack of generosity, or lack. Be on the lookout for all of that. He doesn't say that about anything else. You notice that he doesn't say in anywhere in the New Testament, be on the lookout for all kinds of pride. You want to know Why? Because you can identify pride really well, can't you? He doesn't say, be on the lookout for all forms of adultery. You don't look up and go, this isn't my spouse. You're not surprised by that. You walk right in it. You see it. It's very visible. You know it. It's not. But he says, be careful about covetedness. Be careful about your approach to the things of this world. Be careful about greed. Be careful about how you uh, approach possessions because by nature, it hides itself. By nature, you don't see it. The very nature of greed, the very nature of our approach to money uh, in these things is invisible at some level to us. I've joked with you before uh, that I've had people approach me on just about every known sin. And they come to my office and they say, Pastor, uh, this is what's going on in my life. I, I, I literally, the two that I don't hear about much, one is pride, but the one that I really never hear about is greed. Pastor, I need to talk to you. I am a greedy person. I am a miserly person. You just never hear that. Why? Because you don't see it in yourself. Because you see it in other people. Well, that guy, that's a miser. That guy is cheap. That guy is frugal. That guy pinches every penny. But you don't see it because we do in the comparison game. And what God's saying here is be very careful. Your approach to this, you can't see. You don't even know that it's going on. So I want to expose it to you to say, in your not knowing that it's going on, it's actually happening within you. So you need to begin to assess it in your life and begin to address it in your life. Because he says, by nature you don't see it. Because the people are like, we don't, we don't what do you mean we're robbing you? And he uses the tithe as the example. I'm I want you to hear this. Elders, you're gonna get a little nervous with this next statement. Folks, I'm not worried about your tithe. We don't need your money in that regard. What I am concerned about is the way if you tithe or don't tithe, what that says about your heart. If you don't tithe, it says something about you and how you relate to God. It doesn't say that we can't meet our budget. And we're going to meet our budget this year. uh, And God has been incredibly generous to this church. And and we want to expand the ministries of this church and bring on some additional staff. We had another uh, youth pastor candidate in town this past week. He had to go back uh, yesterday because he couldn't miss his church uh, today. And so we're looking to hire that person. We'd love to hire uh, an assistant pastor to help with some of the pastoral needs of the church as we grow in those needs. And we want to do that. And guess what? Those cost money um and so we want to see that expanded but we're not worried about you. what i'm worried about most specifically is your approach to the tithe and what it says about you in your relationship to god that's what he's saying he goes oh you don't understand how you're robbing me let me talk to you about the tithe you ask the wrong questions gross or net on average in the church. I'm not saying this is our church, but on average in the American church, 4% of churchgoers tithe. Now, I'm going to give you another statistic. This is that's a church statistic in America giving to all philanthropic giving, all philanthropic giving is about 3% of income. So, you've only got 4% of people in the church who normally tithe or give at all. And if you took a national average, what that means is of the 4% who would give even to the work of the church or tithe, they're giving an absolutely reduced rate. What that means is we have a misunderstanding. And it's not just a misunderstanding about money. It's a misunderstanding about God. And God is just using it. And all I want to do here today is a springboard into this next statement. God is saying this, do you know who I am? Because if you knew who I was, if you knew the deep character of who I was as your father and my desire to care for you and bless you, you would test me. You would say, okay, God, I'm going to test you. And I'm going to test you in a couple of different areas. I'm going to test you in this way, and I'll give you several of them. Husbands, I'd love for you to test God in this way. Give yourself fully sacrificially to your wife this week. Put her needs, hopes, desires, and wants well above your own. Die to yourself this week and live in a way, just as he said, Christ died for the church and gave himself for the church. So husbands, love your wives in that way. Try to out-love your wives and see if God doesn't fully bless you in the relationship that you have with your wife this week. See if he doesn't say, I want you to try me out. I want you to try this whole love thing. And I want you to try in your marriage to love in a way that is so radical and, not, and see whether or not I fully bless that marriage. Wives, do you think it's possible that if your husbands approached you that way this week, it would change you? It would change how you responded to them? If they came to you and they said, what can we do this week for you? I'm here for you. if they approached you in that way. How about this try caring for the needs of somebody else above the needs of your own it's not your spouse that's an easy one but somebody else going and visiting them being with them. God says test me see if I won't pour out every blessing that I have in heaven on you and I will fully give you my presence because that's the ultimate blessing and then he says this try me on the giving side of things Try me and see that if you just brought in the tithe, the minimum amount, see if I'm not going to take care of you. Now, sadly, here's what most of you or some of you are thinking. I watched a TV uh, service, church service, and the pastor was standing up front. He brought a sweet little lady up front with him. He says, ma'am, what do you have in your pocket? She says, I have a $10 bill. And he goes, come here. He says, give me that $10 bill. And she gave him a $10 bill. And he says, well, I have a $100 bill in mind. Here's what you get back from God. And they did this exchange over and over and over again. A pastor who lived in a multi-million dollar house and was at a pastor of a multi-thousand-member church uh, and did all of these things, and a woman who was on welfare. And he said, this is what God's going to do. That's not what the Scripture says in that way. He's basically saying this. If you trust me, I'm going to bless you. doesn't mean if you give us a dollar, you're going to get ten back. It doesn't mean if you give ten, you're going to get a hundred back. Doesn't mean a hundred, you get a thousand or whatever the next. I'm terrible at math in uh, those things. You've heard the joke. There's three kinds of people in the world. Those that are good at math and those that aren't. And so um, I'm one of those. And so, but what I know is this. God is basically challenging us. See if you can outgenerous me. See if you can outgenerous me. Try me. Try and see if with your money and your life and your love and your service and your things, if you can outgenerous me. And the response is, you can't. One of the first scriptures that I ever memorized was in Ephesians 1. It says, for we have been blessed in Christ and seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus with every spiritual blessing that's there. What I take from that verse is simply this. What we have received in Christ Jesus far outstrips anything that we would ever sacrifice to God. He says, and I'm going to take care of you. And I'm going to bless you. And the people here were going, we, we don't get it. He goes, but thereby test me, says the Lord of hosts. And if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your wine and the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Basically what he's saying is this. I will bring to you fully shalom. I will bring to you a flourishing and I will bring to you a peace if you fully trust me and live in a way where you think of yourself, don't think of yourself too highly and don't think of yourself too lowly, just think of yourself less. Just think of yourself less in the middle of it and think of him more and say, God, I'm going to live my life in a way that shows that I believe that you're going to take care of all of my needs and above my needs. And when people start to get that, it, it gets almost radical Think about Paul with the Thessalonians. When he went to the Thessalonians, he said to the Thessalonians, stop giving. You're poor. You don't even have enough for your own mouths. What are you doing trying to take care of other people? And you know what their response was? Don't you dare. Don't you dare, Paul. Take away the privilege that we have of giving to the work of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Don't you take that blessing from us. For it is a privilege and an honor to be engaged in the work of the kingdom. And there are some of you who have gifts, and I'm not talking about money only, you have gifts that need to be given to the work of the kingdom. And you look around and you wonder what they are. And God is inviting you in, give your gifts for the work of the kingdom. And our hope here as a church is this, we will be an incredibly generous church. And our generosity will not just be financial generosity. But I think within our community, we have a decent reputation of that because we have people coming every single week. And we've given out this year, I think somewhere between 15000 and $20,000 to people who just come to our door and say, we can't pay our bills or we can't take care of these things. We would, I would love to see that number just multiply exponentially. And I'd love to see us as a church come to agencies and organizations and even other churches that may do some of these things better than we do and say to them, we want to give to the work that you're doing in the kingdom because our people are so incredibly generous. We want to give to this work and see the lives of people in our area affected for Jesus Christ. And then when the Boys and Girls Club has a Thanksgiving dinner just down the street, I'd love for them to tell our church, quit sending your dadgum volunteers. We've got enough of them. When there's people who need help building, how many homes uh, are we... like? 50 homes over here on Marshland, starting in February. I'd love for our church and the generosity of our time and of our resources for them to say, hey, we know one thing. We're going to meet all of these needs of these houses because Hilton Head Presbyterian Church is a church that is going to help serve the needs of this community and do these things. And then when we come and we say, we want to be able to take care of your youth and we want to do that, that you're also generous within the means of the church. And then you're generous. And I saw Kay and Jim here, Kay and Jim Buck. Men, what you do to go sit with the man is awesome, because your time is precious, and you've basically said Jim and Kay are more precious. And you give your time away, and you just go sit with Jim, and you give Kay the opportunity to get out of the house. And somebody else came to me today and said, "Hey, I took Dick Wrigler a meal last night." Because Dick's got some, some stuff going on with his eyes and, and needs some help right now. And Lim Keimer was telling me that people are still, still bugging him and saying, How you doing, Lem? And people are coming around to others in the church. And you are a generous people. I want to encourage you. But I want to care, encourage you more. Let's see this year, coming up in 2014, if this year our motto might be, Let's see if we can out-generous God. Let's see if we can out generous in our love, in our giving, in our affection, in all of those things, and see if he won't be faithful to his word, which says this, if you do it, if you test me, I'll pass the test. I'll pass the test. I will absolutely meet all of your needs and then some. I will pour out the storehouses of heaven on top of you. Now, as we conclude this, a couple of things. I wrestle with this stuff too. It's hard some months to make ends meet and I get it. Some of you are on fixed incomes. I get it. It's hard with time. I've got three boys and I've got a wife and I've got people who have needs. It's hard for me to look out and say I've got more time. and more. These things seem to be fixed. But God is saying if you trust me, Bill, I'll multiply and I'll multiply that blessing through you. And so it's a wrestle. And if you're wrestling with it, find somebody else who's wrestling with it. If you're wrestling with it, come and join with a whole other group of people that are going to wrestle with it together. And we're going to say, we're going to wrestle with these things, but we're going to see and we're going to move forward together on all of this. And you never know where it may lead you to go. I may not want to say this because it may scare you back into not doing anything. But I was sitting last fall wrestling through a conversation with Jeff and Becky Peters about whether they should even go on a short-term mission trip. And they were debating whether or not they should even go on a short-term mission trip to give their lives away to some strangers in Haiti. And they went. And you know what? He transformed their lives in such a way that they're willing to go even further and go down there for a couple of years. That's awesome. God can do something incredibly different than you ever thought or imagined And it could be the biggest blessing in your life for you and to others around you. And so this year, in this season, let's give thanks to God for his immeasurable blessing to us in Christ Jesus.